to quote William Shakespeare, what's in a name? Well, if it's a college admission scandal, um, apparently whatever the name is can be purchased for $70,000 and a fake track or lacrosse or sailing team resume. That's what we're talking about today. The f- what is going on such that our families, our kids, our culture feels the pressure to fake things so much that a multi-million dollar scandal could evolve just to get into a certain college. Welcome back to Shrinking It Down, Mental Health Made Simple. I'm Gene Bereson. And I'm Steve Schlossman, and we got a guest today. Who's with us? Well, a guest is one of us. It's Dr. Ellen Broughton, the co-director of the Clay Center. Is it one of us or one of we? One of we? Oh, no, it's one, no, of, one us. of us. Yeah, because it's, it's the objective English, tense. You were an it's English obje- major. I, know, I just had to think it through. And she, you were a high school English she teacher. She is we. We could say that. She is us. No, no. She is us is I not am, correct. I'm thinking of... Because uh, it's a nominative case. Yeah. Yeah. So right. so there. You don't know what that is. No, I do know. I know Dativ. Dativ. <laughs> the dative case. There you go. Good. Can we let our guest introduce yes. herself? Would you, Ellen, would you like to introduce yourself? Or reintroduce yourself? Oh. I, I would say I am one of you. That's how I would introduce uh, myself. Uh, I like um, that. And, and I can tell who the English major is in the group, Mr. Nominative Case, <laughs> Dr. Schlossman. Yes. Yeah, so I am... Very happy to be here, but I'm I'm speaking from far away still. So I'm still in the Czech Republic in Prague, uh, uh, doing teaching over here. So I'm joining you from afar. So what's new? What's new in your life? This is the way we typically begin. What's what's new? What's what's been going on? Well, I'm I'm getting ready to come back. That's a big thing. I'll be I'll have to pack up and. Uh, it's a big transition from getting used to being in one place and going back home. So that's a that's that's my big thing. And uh, according with that, I, I should be doing a lot of work to you know get things ready, finish up things here and there. But of course, I'm in a foreign country and I want to also see some other things that have been very fun to do here too. So you know we need to do that self care and relaxation as well. So. I'm planning on doing that in my last couple of weeks here. <laughs> Is it really just two weeks, Ellen? That's when you come back? Well, I think it's three, actually. I think it's three. That's soon. It's the first week of April, right? Isn't it? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So, but here, counting the, days. the apple trees are blooming and it feels a little more like spring than it does there. That's because it doesn't feel like spring at all. Well, here. it's going to be so, 60 tomorrow. Yeah, <laughs> but it's, it's going gray to be and rainy and. It's okay. It's warmer. Oh, it's warmer in the Northeast. Oh. How about you, um, Steve? What's gee, going- gee. Yeah. You, you, you sound like a true New Englander. It's yeah. okay. It's only been snowing since, it's you know, okay. November and up through yesterday, but, but it's not bad. No, it's not. I'm not a New Englander. It's been a good winter. Even though. Easy winter. Brought my kids here. Um, 
I would like to point out that Dr. Barrison missed the opportunity to cite the Beatles when I said, I, I am we. I, I was going to do the walrus. Well, I was wondering. I was going to do surprised. the walrus. I am the walrus. Okay. <laughs> I, we, you are she and we, we are all together. together. Right, yes, exactly. right. I was going to do that. Uh, um, so that was the main thing that was up with me. I recognize if you let a Beatles thing kind of slide by, I get worried about you. So I'm glad no, I, 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 I was I was there. Okay, good. Um there's not much new with me. Look, I I, uh, I was in Colorado last week. I actually had the cool experience of getting snowed into the mountains because both ways out, either to the west towards Grand Junction or to the east towards Denver, were covered by avalanche. Um, so it was kind of cool to say, I can't get to the airport because of an avalanche. I've never gotten to say that wow. before. I've gotten to say, I can't get to the airport because I'm vomiting or something, but that's very different than an avalanche. So we had nothing to do, but um, I gave a couple talks and skied that day and, you know, damn near killed myself because it was really hard skiing. But it was really fun on, like, you know, four feet of powder and going through the trees and stuff. So it was good. Wow. It was good to be up there. Couldn't wow. breathe. You're up so high. But it was fun. How, how about you? So, um, well, speaking of the Beatles, I, I, I discovered um, uh, Sean Lennon. Um, I, it, there's this, I don't know if you're familiar with this group, but Les Claypool. Yeah. Um, uh and Sean Lennon have teamed up, and I got their two albums, um, which are just, it's, it's just like uncanny how much it sounds like, you know, Abbey Road, and, it's, and, 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 and just listen to that, and I can hear John Lennon, I can hear the Beatles, and again, it's, it's, it's a singer-songwriter, Sean, with a bass player, so it kind of is like, oh. it's really cool, and, and so that I've been having an incredible time just kind of like reminiscing, but, but, but they're, they, you know, it's, it's got, it's got, Frank Zappa in it. It's got really cool kinds of stuff in it. Wait, it's, Frank Zappa? It, no, it's got the Frank Zappa kind of like. Oh, oh like, yeah. Like, so like, he's no longer with us. If they say no, it's Frank no. Zappa, it's not Frank Zappa. But it's yeah. got it's got a bunch of kind of modern day um, fusion rock influences that kind of like take it beyond the Beatles. But it's but but you know when you listen to it, you just I just can't he- stop hearing hearing uh, the Beatles influence. Well, that remind before we even go on, the Beatles thing, music, reminded me of my 15 seconds of fame that started on <laughs> Thursday and continued through the weekend, you know, ending with another appearance on Good Morning America where they asked me if I had the power to change the CVS Hold music since they officially announced that they were going to. And I might add, they officially announced it to yeah. us first. Yeah. Um, what would I choose? And I said, won't get fooled again. By the Who, so they played "Won't Get Fooled Again" oh. on "Good Morning America." They actually had me hum it, but they wisely cut that out. So they, meaning they spliced it out of the the thing. So it was really the you know Daltrey and Townsend yeah. and, and Moon on the original clip. So I, I forgot to mention that as well. Um, and next, we will go after the super long receipts at CVS. That's our next oh, like, dragon that, to slay. Yeah, so which 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 don't fit into your wallet. Don't fit anywhere. They don't fit anywhere. Yeah. 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 But let's talk about what we're going to do today. What's uh, something really big in the news broke yesterday, which is right up our alley. Right. The college entry scandal, which I don't think... Which I'm sh- shocked. Shocked to know this kind of thing happens. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> I, I guess there's been, there's, this has been going on for a long time, but this is the biggest one. But I, I don't think we should talk directly about the scandal because it's being covered all over Wait, the place. For folks who don't know the scandal, okay, we should so probably why, why say you, what it you, is. Why don't you mention the scandal, then I'll, I will... I will suggest what we should talk about. And, and Ellen, do you have anything that you would add to this before I do a brief overview of the scandal? No. Do you know what? I, I think in this case, I have a lot to say about it, but I probably am not as up on the details because I am not there. I am, you know, I don't have as much access to the news as you do. So uh, 
give us a synopsis. And, and you're, I, I should I, add, I, I you hear... are in a nation that, like every other developed nation on Earth, doesn't do this kind of selective college game that we, with the possible exception of the United Kingdom, um, that that we do here in the United States, right. which is directly relating to the scandal. So my, my, and just to be clear, my source is not anything special. It's reading the news like other folks read, which means some of it's going to be wrong, some of it's going to be right. But basically it looks like there's been a, um, a very organized effort uh, through one particular firm called The Key, I think, which was billed as a college uh, advising system, but all, or a college admission advising system, as well as having a foundation. And through this organization, wealthy folks, which included actors and CEOs and some partners in major law firms, could uh, pay upwards of you know seventy five to one hundred thousand or more dollars to have their kid guaranteed admission into a number of schools, the most selective of which were places like Stanford, Yale, Harvard, Georgetown, but also included schools like um, University of Texas, Wake Forest, UCLA, which by the way are also selective. They're just not by the numbers as selective. Uh, the scam was pretty big, faking uh, standardized test scores, uh, faking the ability to participate in the sports teams. In many cases, the kids got to the school and didn't even know about the plan. They had, their parents had actually shielded them from having done this, which in some ways is good parenting, in some ways is horrible parenting. But the kids got there and were actually approached by the college advisor and said, so when do you report to track practice? And they said, what do you mean? I'm not running track. And they're like, well, this would have been some mistake. So somehow these kids got in. But we see this as... Um, uh, but, but one thing, some of the kids must have known. Some did, and that, some that, did that, not. That, that some, that, for example, the test, the SATs, or no, the no, SATs many of them it. didn't. They, many they, of them they thought did, they, they took the SAT too, and they thought that they were using their scores as opposed to the fake. No, no, they thought scores. they got better scores than they got. Oh man, so they were That's, scammed. Yeah, they were. There are kids waking up today in the United States of America in some of these colleges whose parents have been named yeah. publicly in this um, crime, in this, in this yeah. indictment, who, I don't know what's indictment yet, in this, in this well, investigation, who are recognizing that their test scores may not be what they thought they were. Yeah. And, you know, that brings up a really well, interesting issue is, like, should that be devastating? Like, like, of course. Should it, well, I don't know. Like, like, maybe we put too much emphasis on the test well, scores. But, 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 like, so, that, so, so, so that's that I segue into what we probably should talk about rather than the scandal itself. What is this symptomatic of? I mean, what kinds of pressure are parents in particular feeling about getting their kids into school? And what is the effect of that on the kids themselves and on their, on their, and on their, their feelings about their parents? And, and uh, you know, what does it say about, about, about the kids and the, fam and the families? So this sounds suspiciously like a rhetorical question. It is. Um, <laughs> because we don't think it's good. No. Right? But we've both, all, all of us in this room, including Ellen in her room in Prague, we've played this game a little bit with our own children, with the, the um, people that we're lucky enough to take care of, with advice yeah. that we've given right. to parents and friends. We have not committed fraud. Let's, let's be clear about that. But we have, by virtue of our um, station in life, been able to provide certain things for our kids that other kids can't get and have, um, because of that, kind of profited in terms of where they were able to apply and reasonably expect to be admitted to college with the understanding that those colleges in the United States might open doors more so than what other colleges, which I'm not sure is entirely accurate, but I think it's somewhat accurate yeah. to say that. Yeah. So, Ellen, you said you have a lot to say about what it's symptomatic of. And, and, and you, who do testing and accommodations as a neuropsychologist, have probably a unique 
perspective on this in terms of getting questions from parents about how can I help my kids best get into the top tier schools or what? What yes. do you have to say about that? Or even just, you know, I, I sometimes that I, I, maybe it's not good to lead with this, but let me, let me just lead with this. Sometimes I think it's people like me who have been a, a little bit part of the problem. That's, that's actually not quite correct. But we, you know, one of the things that when I first got into neuropsychology t- 25 years ago, um, I was very interested in making sure that there was a level playing field for everybody. And it's been a passion of mine to make sure that kids, for example, with dyslexia, can't finish a test within the required period of time because they don't have time to read because their reading speed is very slow. So if you can't finish the whole test in 30 minutes because it takes you 45 minutes to read the test, we're not really giving you, um, we're not really measuring how well you do on the test, we're measuring your reading speed. And truthfully, those are the only kids who actually benefit from extended time on tests. However, something happened. uh, Let me just ask you a question. You say that, is that a data-driven, because it's so interesting, because people are always asking yes. for extra time. So you're <clears> saying that only people with dyslexia or maybe yes. related reading disorders? Not attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Not, just dyslexia. Because Not ADHD. It does not help <laughs> kids with ADHD. It is not, it, it is, it, it isn't, but everybody thinks it is. There is yeah. a lot of data at, that shows that it is of no help. You know, if you don't know the answer to, if you can read all the questions, you don't know the answers to the questions in 30 minutes, 45 minutes is not going to help you uh, find the right answers for yeah. those questions. It's only helpful if you do not have the time. Reading speed is slow due to a reading disability. Uh, so yes, it, it doesn't help kids with ADHD. So what what happened? I you know if we look at this historically, what happened? And I should know what year this happened, uh, but I don't. It was around it, the time that IDEA was coming into uh, play. Before this law was passed, you could not, uh, or you if you you had to disclose. Is that the Intellectual Disabilities Act? Is that what you're talking about? It's the Individual Disabilities Education Act. Okay. I, let's just IDEA. Yes, yes, right. Sorry. Oh, not intellectual. No, in, individual. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. And so before that time, you had yeah. to disclose that you got extra time on tests. So you really thought very carefully about it because the colleges could discriminate against you because you got extra time and somebody didn't. Mm-hmm. Well, then we decided that that was discriminatory in and of itself, which it is. But it opened the floodgates for every parent to want extra time with their child because they think that extra time is the key to doing better. And so, I mean, I think that's that's a small part of this, but I think it opened the door to sort of think of that, you know, perhaps everybody would benefit from extended time, different kinds of accommodations. And I think there are a lot of, um, not a lot. I think there are a few people out there who do what I do or who are in different states where maybe you can do what I do with a different sort of license who are persuaded by parents to, and in fact, I, I guess that's just the case in a, at least a couple of these cases, there are people who were persuaded to, you know, either falsify data of, of a child or, um, you know, do make them look more impaired than they are. So I think that it's, you know, it's it's a complicated issue, but it's also a misinformed issue, yeah. at least for this one part. I mean, there's much more of this. We could talk about parental narcissism and the fact that 
you know, there there is this idea that getting to a better college really matters when really there's a lot of data that shows it doesn't matter That's as much true. as yeah. you think. Yeah. Um, it's what and you do that, in college. You know, what you do in college yeah. matters more than the actual college that you yeah. go to. So, um, I, you know, there's, we, we've got to get out of this mentality that this designer college is the perfect place for every child. But this is what's, that what's will so, do it at any cost. Oh, I'm sorry to mean, this is what's so fascinating about this particular scandal. The, the, the data from what I was reading this morning is are the data are really clear that if you go to college, any college with wealth, you will continue to be wealthy. So that's that's very yes. clear. Unless unless you run into some gar- kind of gargantuan problem, you will do fine. So, so it wealth, wealth is independent of the school you go. Right. To. It doesn't look yeah. like that's This is all about yeah. Um, elitism. Yeah. Yeah, elitism. it's all about elitism. It's, sta- it's about it's about status. It's about narcissism. It's about elitism. It's about having a marquee, you know, a certain marquee that you can label as as uh, as yours. And and we all in this room say that with full knowledge we, that we have we, the labels. <laughs> and we played this game with our kids. Yeah, right. I mean, like all of us did. So it's is that. For better or worse, I mean. Well, no, I mean, I think, and also some sometimes we were influence, influential, and sometimes they push back. But but I think the system is such that, it, like, it's I don't want to pile on to the parents no, right. here, including myself, but also no. the other parents. Like, if you are led to believe that extra time will benefit your kid, it's hard to blame a parent well, for fighting. Well, for look, it. as an MD, I mean, look, how many how many times have you had requests? The, the counterpart to your thing, Ellen, is how many times have you had requests yeah. for stimulants? Because the parent says, oh, same, my, ki- my kid's got ADHD, 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 and, you know, wouldn't Adderall really help? And then, you know, you, 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 know, you, you examine the kid and you do an evaluation and you think, well, I don't really know. But then you get some pressure for the parents. Why? Because they think, and maybe they're right, that stimulants helps you run faster, jump higher, and do better intellectually. Now, Actually, that's a different issue a little bit because there's good data that, that does stimulants help. do help. I know. It, We're pressured. No, no, to well, hold on. Yeah. It means there's good data that stimulants help even in the absence of ADHD. Right. So they become performance-enhancing medicines, and then it circles back to this issue of elitism because it becomes an issue of access. But, but, and you know something? There was that wonderful editorial by a bunch of some Nobel laureates in Nature yep. about why don't we actually give brain-enhancing drugs because, you know, it's like we drink coffee, we do all kinds of things. We that, wear that, glasses. We wear glasses, right. Yeah. So why not? And then the argument against it. Access. The, the most, the most, one of the most salient responses that I heard from many students were, if you're underprivileged, if you don't have access, if you don't have means, if you don't have the connections, you can't get it, and then you're at a disadvantage. So, so what is going to enhance is the folks that actually can afford to do it and can have access right. to that it. Right, that is, the, but I think so, so I agree with you on, on all of that. I think the other issue, and Ellen, you said this earlier in, in an email, is um, part of this is parents worrying what the effect will be on their child if their child feels that they're not succeeding, if their children feel like they're not succeeding. Yes. Like, like not <clears throat> yes. willing to tolerate a child not doing well or not doing well enough from the best of places. Like I don't think these parents are, are like being jerks about maybe i'm being too charitable here but but i don't think they are i think they're like i think they've been led to believe that feeling that you've not accomplished what your dreams so to speak is actually falling short of of um what will be harmful to you whereas we know as experts that i mean as experts this is what we do for a living that actually reckoning with these things where we fall short actually helps us 
right? Like it, right, we succeed right. by our failures. I mean, letting right. kids I, letting kids fail and mess up is probably one of the most important learning experiences that a parent or a teacher can actually do, right? Is that would you agree, Ellen? Yeah, I mean, I, I have to say that probably about half of my practice now is parents seeking additional accommodations for their children, and some of them are are you know don't necessarily meet criteria for a diagnosis. And I think, you know, I, I'll get referral questions, and this has been going on for a good five to ten years. For you know, the referral question is. My child is getting a B plus in AP chemistry. They're getting A's in everything else, but they are literally, you know, picking up the phone and wanting to spend money for an evaluation because they don't want their child to get a B plus in AP chemistry. And so I think that part of the problem is that we have this idealized version of perfection that is, I mean, true perfection. They parents wanting their kids to get 100% and the extra credit. I see very few kids coming into my office saying, I am demoralized by a B plus. They're like, they're oftentimes what, what we're showing them or telling them by this kind of scandal, by the parents who have done these sorts of different things. But even sometimes I worry even about some of the parents who call me unprompted, you know, asking for, it's like, we're sort of telling them, you're not good enough to do this on your own. And it doesn't need, you know, and it, with this scandal, we're even saying you don't even need to be good enough to do this on your own. I'll do it for you. And so that's this fine line that I, as a clinician, I'm I'm having trouble with this because those kids still do need something. You know, if, you're, if your parent is uh, really up, so upset that they will call a, you know, a professional to seek help about a B plus on a test, that kid's under some some pretty significant stress. But the problem isn't not enough time on tests. The problem is something entirely it's a, it's, different. So and then I this, also think that well, ahead, another sorry. issue is that there there are, you know, most kids are average. Average defines, you know, about 70% of the population, 65, at least 60% of the population, which means most of us will be average. And so it's very hard for anybody, and this is partly our society, you know, there are no C students anymore. They just, C students are, are, are delinquents. There are no C students. And because so we inflation. don't have an average. Average is not okay anymore. And so I don't know how to help parents with that because it's not really their fault. And I'm not sure where that problem is well, coming from. That's what from. I was going to ask you. So first of all, I, just to cite my, my, you know, everybody grows up with their parents citing certain axioms to them. My dad used to say to me, bright people are a dime a dozen. It's what you do with what you have that really matters. Like that was, that was sort of one of the times I perked up and listened to him. Now, I'm sure there are other things he said that I ought to have listened to, but that was something I actually did listen to. I wonder, though, how much of this is regional? Like, like the intensity that I... So I don't know, because time has passed since I was in high school, but having grown up in the middle of the country and comparing that to then bringing my children up in the Northeast, which is an academic pressure cooker, I wonder, like, I, does the same thing go on? Like I talked to my sister, and it doesn't sound like it does in a, in a very you know big city in the middle of the country where where she lives. It doesn't feel like it's as pressured. They still talk about where they go to school, but it doesn't seem to be the same issue. And I am I accurate about that? I I think you are. I mean, you know, I have family in the Midwest too, and and you know, I I do think that that's accurate. But I do think you know things move inward from the coasts, and I I'm not sure. 
that this isn't, you know, I, I still think it's an issue in Chicago, but it, it's not as much. I mean, we definitely live in a pressure cook cooker area. And, you know, it, it doesn't matter so much if you're in Wisconsin. I mean, if, if you go to a, you know, a, a state school, one of the University of Wisconsin system schools is it's a fabulous thing. And it, it's, there's no shame in that, where there are other states where there is a little bit of shame in that, which is really crazy. But that's that's how it's it's gone. So um, one of the things one of the things I'd like to kind of get us to talk about a little bit, besides geography, is is the impact on the kids of all of this. I mean, they're under pressure in, at school itself because there's multiple pressures in college. I mean, besides grades and relationships and athletics and community service and, and everything's so public and with every, social media so everyone knows where everybody got exact, in exactly. everybody knows everybody's great exactly. everybody knows so they're, know. they're they're already in a, a pressure cooker to begin with and that's then, a glass house that's right it's a glass house pressure cooker that's right where everybody yeah. can see yeah. and now they and their parents are adding to that pressure and also um you know the, the the feelings of of guilt and low self-esteem if they don't meet the perfection that their parents expectations you know bring um is adding in some ways uh, insult to injury i think i mean so well look at the just statistically look at the epidemiology right now the numbers of kids experiencing all of the things that we associate with being in a super stressful environment <laughs> is skyrocketing depression's going up <laughs> anxiety's going up suicide, suicide. is going up right. uh, eating disorder i mean they're all on their way up right this is, isn't related to overdiagnosis or to better recognition. No, this is these They're are on the very, these are community samples, right. these, and it's got to be related yes. to something. Yes. And among the things it's related to is this increased pressure yeah. that that we have placed on our children. So then the question to all three of us is: is what, what, do, do we do? what do we do about it? Yeah, right, how do exactly. we fix this? Well, how do we be part of the solution? Well, so I mean, I, I think that is that is the question of the hour or the or the forty minutes, as we might say. But you know, I do think that I just want to inter, interject here too that what you just said is really based in a lot of research. In fact, some very recent research that's looked at two aspects of parenting. One is overprotection, and the other is perfectionism. And and this scandal has a has a lot of both of those. Overprotection meaning I don't want my child to open a letter from a school and get rejected, so I will make sure that I will that this will happen. And then um, perfection, which is like it's got to be a great school. So both of those things are are very highly associated with increases in anxiety and depression and all sorts of internalizing problems. And so this, this, these sort of rigid standards, this high valuing of only success, and success is measured by really perfection, perfect grades, the perfect college, I think is resulting in some of these trends that you, that you just mentioned. And, you know, the a lot of these studies have then said, well, then what do we do about it? And probably the, the number one thing that has come out is to let kids fail. And Gene, I think you said that at the beginning of, of this time, it's letting kids fail, meaning, you know what, you're, you're not going to make the cheerleading team. You're, you don't always make the basketball team. You're, you know, you're not going to get into every college you want to go to. And it it's, but e even more so, it's like, you know, sometimes just get on. I know it's going to be tough this morning to get on the bus. You know, they're in second grade and they had a fight with a child. But, you know, you, you're going to have to get on and, and, and deal with it. Right. And we don't we don't really say sort of deal with it that much. So I think that that's 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 the biggest thing that's been shown to be the, the cure for this. We just we can't stomach it, I think, as a culture. 
So it sounds like what you're uh, saying is one way we can help with this. So so deal the uh, I'll back up. The phrase "deal with it" always has a kind of pejorative sound right. to it. But what you're saying is that phrase can be said in a loving way. You can say, "Look, this is going to be hard." You can deal with it. I'm going to help you through it as your parent, but you have to do this. You have to get back on that bus. And the other thing is, we 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 can remind them by well, hold telling- on. Let let Ellen okay. answer to that. I just want. To- oh, I don't know. I mean, is deal with it really that pejorative? I mean, are, have we gotten that far away from well, just like, well, deal with it? No, like, I think we have actually. So it. so like, we, if we um, come out of the gate with that phrase, we're going to lose folks. That that's what I'm saying. Like it's gotten so far, so no, kind of warped. I, I, that that we got to have some way to soften that blow at this point. And, and I would say what I was what I was about to to say the way I I framed it, and this is what I do when I teach residents who are learning psychotherapy or medical students, is that we succeed by our failures. And if you think about your own life, like I'm thinking about mine, I think I've learned the most from the times where I've really felt a sense of not making the bar, of failing, of not doing something well enough, and I've. You know, and I've and I've learned from it. So I think by softening the blow, it's not just dealing with it, but it's like, out of the ashes rises the phoenix. I mean, what we if we if we take our failures and we actually make them into learning experiences, we can actually grow. I mean, and did I, you did you make up that thing about the phoenix and the ashes just now? <laughs> well, I, I was thinking of you You've as an read English it major. And I was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, no. Yeah. We move forward through the ways that. Um, maybe we fall short of what we wanted yeah. or expected, and we have to help our kids to know that. And Ellen, to your point, maybe you're right. Maybe I need to get more comfortable with saying something like deal with it. Um, maybe I'm not there. I mean, yeah, you're not going to say that to a three-year-old or a seven-year-old, <laughs> but, you know, we don't even say it to our 16-year-olds, really. Right. You know, right. especially if they got into a, you know, into a, a situation that they created that's kind of a mess. And yes, you're, you're going to give ideas, you're going to give solutions, but eventually you've got to say, you're the one that's got to deal with it. You know, you you you. You spill the milk intentionally, clean it up. Like it's like I think we do kind of sugarcoat things so much that it's I I don't know. Um I, I I'm I'm sounding very cruel. <laughs> no, I'm you're not. not but no. It's, no, but you're I just sounding like we, somebody from a different generation. We are uncomfortable with those words. You're so some of our generation. You're not sounding like it it seems it's the kind of thing that nobody would disagree with, but everyone has a hard time doing. Right. I think so. So then yes. we have to ask why that is. It's because there has been this movement towards perfectionism and over yeah perfe- and, and 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 protectionism. And and as we can see from the data, we're not doing our yeah. kids any yeah. favors. Right. What what Ellen? I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, it sounded like you. No, stressed. I was going to say you know just I, I I do think we need to just you know we try and temper everything because it sounds so hard, but the world is kind of harsh. And, you know, I, I think that it's what it's leading to. I mean, what you and now this is I'm going totally out on a limb here, but not saying deal with it is leading to kids who can't deal with it. And so, I mean, I'm kind of using this, you know, with a, you know, a well, anyway, I, I think that being being over, you know, trying to, to, to say things in an overly kind way might be doing our kids a disservice. And we, we don't, we don't want to ever be cruel to our kids or, but we also need to be clear sometimes that, you know, it's, 
it's, it's I hard. Don't know. It's, it's I, hard. I guess it's, this is a, it's a it's a hard it's a hard. Well, I, it's hard topic. for parents to let them t- t- to see your kids struggle and to, and to, and to, and to, and to tolerate that. Anyway, we, we could, we could uh, go on and on and on, but I think what we, what we should do is we should probably wind up. And um, this has been really stimulating and interesting, and I think if, if, if folks out there have other thoughts or comments or questions about how we're raising our children, particularly you know, in, in the high school and college age years, you know, just, you know, Shoot us a shoot us a message. Ask us some questions. We can go on with this. Yeah. So, this is the time in the in the show when we talk about what's moved people in the news. So, Ellen, you, you've been remote from the news, but is there any any check news? Or no, <laughs> she's not remote. She's remote from our news. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what what's what, no. what, what's no, moved? No, although the... I do have to say they've heard of the scandal here because I said something to somebody today. It's like, oh, we're going to be talking about this in this podcast. Like, oh yes, we heard about it. So it is big and it does resonate with people here. And I think that it's, you know, in part it's like, ah, it sounds so American. But in another part, you know, there's you know, as America goes, so does the rest of the world eventually. Yeah, and, so and we, we learned classism that, from Europe, know. right? I mean, like, <laughs> we didn't we didn't invent classism, so we're just as no. opposed to classics. Yeah, we're just good at it, yeah. um, but we didn't invent it. So what's 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 moved you in the news this week, Steve? Um, so what, what struck me, it's actually very similar to this. When the news broke about these 737 MAX planes... Yeah, I was thinking and, of the same and thing. And look, there's only two. There's hundreds of thousands of them to fly every day. But when the news broke, and I have a flight in April for spring break, I spent an inordinate amount of time online, way more than I ought to have, trying to figure out if the plane I was going to be on was, was a safe. 737 and 737 MAX. Yeah. And then I was thinking, there was a time when this information just wouldn't have been accessible, and I would have to sit with that uncertainty. And it's, it's sort of a combination of things because I don't trust necessarily the FAA to make the right decision. So then I put it on myself, but I can't. Who am I to be able to uh, you know, assess whether a plane out of fly or not? So it's, it's this weird – I think maybe this is symptomatic of the larger thing we're yeah. talking about where we can't tolerate uncertainty, but we can never actually be certain. That's right. a function of right. being human, not yeah. being certain. Mm-hmm. So that's – I, by the way, I found out that the plane is a 737 Max, but then they're all grounded. So oh no! Be, that's no, okay. No, It'll they're, be fixed. They're, they're grounded. I'm, I'm sure they'll fix it. The software will be fixed. Um, soon enough. And even if not, I think I'd still get on because a million of them fly a day. Not a million, right. but hundreds of thousands fly a day. Well, your so. chances of going down in one is like, like minuscule one, one compared to like getting hit by a car when I walk right. out of this building. Yeah. So. So so for me, uh, I was thinking of two things, uh, and and both are. Uh, human made. Um, one is is the, um, uh, the, the, the 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 airplanes. I mean, we, in medicine, we learned about, and not just the airplanes, but about but but how how what also came out of this was that the pilots were not really being tested and assessed um, and under simulation the way they were in the past. Um, they were using iPads as simulators. Now, one of the things that helped medicine immeasurably in terms of the competency movement was we took our lead from the way airline pilots were trained yeah. to be competent, to be competent under all kinds of situations. And, and what was really disheartening to me is that, is that um, for some reason they've fallen below the standards so that they, they didn't have the kinds of training that they were hoping to have under adverse situations. And then that lead me to something which may seem like a non sequitur, but 
I also thought about um, uh, the, the, the tornadoes, uh, tornado in Alabama, um, and, and which is also human-made because I, I do believe that, that climate change is really changing the shape of, 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 our, of, our, of our lives. And, you know, the more we see tornadoes that are attributable to climate change, the more we have to take responsibility and some, some sense of, of um, accountability for kind of the losses that we've occurred, both in airplanes when the rare things happen, but also tornadoes are pretty rare too, but they're increasing in number. And, and I just feel that- They're actually not increasing in number, they're increasing in intensity. In intensity, yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, which, which is the same thing. I mean, they're, they're causing damage they're causing in places where they used to not cause the same amount of damage. This yeah. was a gargantuan storm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and I, you know, whether or not we decide that it's human made or not, I think it would be silly to argue that the climate isn't changing. It like is. That's and we have, and we have the power to get in the way. And of we that. have a power to yeah. do something about the way we train our pilots, and we have something to do about the way we we treat our planet. And that's what what I've been what I've been really you know struggling with. You're gonna like say we're on Spaceship Earth <laughs> now. We're piloting Spaceship Earth, and we must all be trained on the proper simulator. Yeah. So, um, okay, so was it, was it Captain Tom? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that just came to mind. Anyway, um, uh, so thanks a lot for listening, everybody, and uh, tune in. I'm Gene Bereson. And I'm Steve Schlossman. And I'm Ellen Broughton. <laughs> we'll talk soon. Bye, See guys. See you next time. Ground control to Major Tom. Ground control to Major Tom.